Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance? Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Recently, I hosted a benefit concert called Stronger Than Hate that went to support the congregation and victims' families of the Tree of Life Synagogue when a shooter stormed the doors, got into a Shabbat morning service, and just started shooting during October of 2018. This concert is filled with the Broadway community's love and hope for a better tomorrow, it was an evening of song and conversation, and it really served to both heal and raise awareness, and mostly to raise funds for family of the victims of the tragic October shooting in the Tree of Life Synagogue. It was an honor to host this event. I was in awe of Mara Jill Herman, who conceived of it and made it happen. It was musical direction by Danny Lepic, and I cannot thank the Green Room 42, an incredible cabaret space in New York City, for letting us use their theater and allowing all proceeds to really go to benefit 
the Tree of Life Synagogue congregation family members who are dealing with the aftermath of this tragic shooting. But the truth is, it was such an uplifting, brilliant, inspiring evening, and I'm so happy that it was recorded and I can share it with you. Thank you for listening. Please welcome to the stage, Mara Jill Herman. Hi, hi, hi. Thanks, Marty. So this is very exciting, and I'm so happy to see all of you here tonight. Happy Hanukkah, happy holidays. And again, thank you so much for being here. You know, I wanted to start off by telling you where this event came from. On October 26th, I was singing here with my trio, and among many of the songs that we do, we sang the song America. And for a few seconds, I actually believed the words of those song, of that song. And uh, the next morning, I woke up to the news of the shooting in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Synagogue, and I was horrified. And I was glued to the news all weekend. And so the first person I called was Danny Lepic. Let's give him a round of applause. He's my music director and lifelong friend. And you'll be seeing him up here this evening. He said yes, and we landed on this wonderful date of the fifth night of Hanukkah. And so thank you, Marty and Daniel, who run the green room, for saying yes and giving us a place to not only commemorate the lives of the victims of that awful shooting, but also to celebrate. Celebrate Hanukkah, celebrate Jewish talent, celebrate performers and musicians and all the wonderful individuals who are here tonight to share stories and song. So without further ado, let's bring up, <laughs> this is so wild because uh, a lot of you know me as a performer, but in high school I actually produced the talent show. And I haven't produced since. So this is bringing back a lot of wild memories and some of my high school friends are here tonight to kick off the evening. Scruffy Pearls, let's welcome them to the stage. They are a band who is gonna perform an original song. So take it away, Carly and crew. Hi, guys. Happy fifth night of Hanukkah. This song we're going to play is called Workin', and it will be released shortly. So find us online, and you can own it. Sorry, yeah, I can't 
For Scruffy Pearls. You can get their music everywhere. Music streams and is downloadable and, you know, support original work, yeah. Uh, so the next person that I'd like to introduce is someone you may know who has a podcast called Little Known Facts. And I had the great privilege of seeing her play Lucy in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I'm going to turn over the mic to our very special guest host, Ilana Levine. Hey, everybody. What a beautiful, beautiful night to all be together. The last time I was here, how many people are at the Green Room 42 for their first time? So what you should know, aside from this being a magnificent event, they have incredible performers. They've created a space for Broadway performers to come and do original work and everyone who wants to kind of create cabaret. And the Green Room 42 is a really special place, so you should come back and hear all of the incredible singers here after tonight as well. I just want to tell like a crazy anecdote about the Tree of Life Synagogue, just a connection when Mara asked me to host tonight. Um, she was probably five when she saw me on Broadway, which is really scary, because she's a very gorgeous grown-up woman now, and I'm not going to let that throw me. Um, <laughs> My mom, who is in her 80s now, grew up in Brooklyn, and she talked to me often in her life about a boyfriend she had in high school named Donald Meyer. Donald was great at math. My mother was terrible at math. She ended up marrying my dad, which is why I played Lucy in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, because I'm alive. Um, when this tragedy struck the Tree of Life Synagogue, we all, you know, Jewish geography is a, a very fluid thing, and it turns out that the current rabbi 
is Rabbi Jeffrey Meyer, and he is the son of the man who helped my mom graduate uh, Erasmus Hall High School, where many of you probably went. And it's really an extraordinary thing, because to see his legacy um, has been really meaningful for my family. And I think all of us would agree the way he and everyone in that community have handled this tragedy is so unbelievably inspiring and has given us all the courage to go forward. I was scared to go to shul the next Saturday. I'm embarrassed to say when everyone was going to their synagogues to get together and show support, I thought, do I bring my kids? Like, this is a very crazy moment. And then watching Rabbi Meyer and everyone in that community go forward uh, made me really feel brave enough to do it myself. So you in the red dress, thank you for this incredible night, Mara. Um, I don't know how it compares, you guys can say, to her 12th grade talent show. But so far, it seems really good. Um, we are recording this tonight, and it is my hope that all of these beautiful, beautiful talents will be heard on my podcast, Little Known Facts, because their voices are so unique, and what an incredible message of love tonight. So, without further ado, thank you for indulging my personal Meyer story. Um, let me put on my glasses. There is a gentleman coming out to sing for us right now, and you know him from The Lion King and The Jersey Boys, and he is extraordinary. Please welcome Nathan Clough to the stage. Thank you, everybody. Good evening. Hi. I'm uh, going to sing a song that was written by Zena Goldrich and Marcy Heisler, a New York songwriting institution, right? Uh, they would have loved to be here tonight. But uh, they are working on a show in Atlanta, right, Mayor? Uh, which is exciting. I think it's Ever After. So uh, I'm happy to share this song of theirs with you. <clears throat> women don't actually want what they want. No, women don't want that at all. What they want is what women say they don't want. Give them that and believe me, they'll fall. I wanted to give women what women wanted, but when I did, women were finding me wanting. So I want to know, since I'm still wanting women, what women want. Women want what? I've got the feeling that what women feel is not what they're feeling at all. For if I'm feeling feelings I feel could be real, you would think that she'd want me to call. But she picks up the phone and her tone is nonplussed, which just proves me the proof that aloof is a must. And the fact that I called means I'm no longer chased, which I fear in her heart means it's all been a waste. It's all so confusing and dumb as can be. You know what? Forget it. I'm getting a wee. So. Want what you want, women feel what you feel, but admit it's a bit out of hand. It's not that we're simple, okay, we are simple, it's simply we don't understand. Please come here, go away, are you gay? And I love you, I ask, what's a proper retort? If you weren't aware, here's the truth you can share, we prefer playing games on a court, on a court, on a court. Actually want what they want. No, women don't want that at all. What they want is what women say they don't want. Give them that and believe me, they'll fall. I wanted to give women what women wanted, but when I did, women were finding me wanting. So I want to know, since I'm still wanting women, what women want. Women want what? I don't know what these women want. I don't know what these women want. Women want what? 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 
it's just going to keep getting funner and funner. We now have Allison Lee Rosenfeld singing for us a song called Infinite Joy. And you may recognize her voice because who here is not obsessed with a Pokemon cartoon series? Allison. Hello, hello. So with a name like Rosenfeld, it's very hard to not know who I am, right? Um, for a long time, I thought I would not go by Rosenfeld at all. I thought I would just be Allison Lee, kind of like a Leah Michelle vibe. Um, but my grandfather said to me years ago, Allie, Rosenfeld is a good, strong name. Don't lose it before you have to. He passed away two years ago, but his words have stuck with me, as have many of his wise words. Thank you. 
that Pikachu really sounded like that. That's ridiculous how beautiful that sound. So here's a little known fact. In 1964, there was a show that was meant to come to Broadway. They were touring out of town, and the reviews were horrific. And they rewrote and rewrote, and they came into town assuming that the show would have their picture up at, at Joe Allen's with all the shows that flopped. And uh, it turned out to be a little-known musical called Fiddler on the Roof. And uh, luckily for us, what is it, 50? There's not going to be math tonight. But many years later, um, Mara promised no math. Uh, Right now, in the greatest city in the world, New York City, there is a production happening with the, um, the National Yiddish Theater. And you should know if you haven't seen it yet. Sorry, I'm getting very small. Um, there are subtitles, although many of you probably speak Yiddish that are in this audience or may have had someone in your life who does. Anyway, it is moving to... What theater is it moving to? Stage 42, so if you don't get a chance to see it, it's going to keep going because 54 years ago they were so wrong. And the idea that we can see it in the language it was meant to be experienced in is so incredible. And it is my distinct honor and pleasure, straight from their matinee, which is insane, uh, to welcome to the stage Rachel Zatkoff, Stephanie Lynn Mason, and Rosie Joe Netty singing a little-known ditty called Matchmaker. Oh, Jente, Jente. Oh, but Edmonton must doch me say because they fucking sign. Junge Mädchen können solche Sachen alleine beschließen. Sie kann noch einmal bringen Edmonton a schöne. Edmonton a feine. Und allein mit den Jüchers. Schatrin, 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 mir zu. Wo ist er wo? Du bist du. Schatrin, Schatrin, guck in dein Buch und such mir nach außen zu. Schatrinte, Schatrinte, fehlen mich schon gleich. Bring ihm zu mir, schmal und weich. Bring mir da Ringeln, du es nur bleist. Die Kinder so werden gleist. Der Tote darf auf Minion. Die Mome darf erreichen. Und ich darf meiner Kemine abbrochen. interessiert mit Hassan im Habe und ich habe gemeint, dass dein Nose steckt nur in die Bücher und du hast geworfen an euch auf den Rebensohn. Verwurst nicht. Wir haben einen einzigen Reben und der Rebe hat einen einzigen Sohn. Verwurst soll ich nicht wollen das Beste. Weil du bist an eurem Kind von an eurem Heim. Ist der Mädchen, was Jente wird bringen, wirst du nehmen. Nicht Azoi? Sicher Azoi. Oi, Harl, hab a Schirrpunkt bei dir. A Schöner und Jung, a Sechziger mit vier. Oh, Berachosin, das ist er. Stimmt, stimmt. Mit Masel und mit Broche wirst du zu begehen. Und was wird sein als Nein? Ich weiß nicht allein. Habe, habe. 
breed. Oh, Berachas, das is er great, great. Ongeleiden der Geschichte, als er is van brand en dik. Hun schlagen stak der Nichter, das is dein Glück. Hast gemeens bekomst a graf, du das beste was ich kann. my podcast because I want to talk all about what it was like for you to learn that other language. It sounded like you knew what you were saying. Okay, okay. Um, we're going to do something really fascinating right now, and, and Mara has somehow curated an amazing moment tonight. Um, she has found the direct, award-winning director-choreographer and former performer who has had a 30-year-long association with Fiddler on the Roof. And the other person who's coming up on the stage is the director of education programs at the esteemed international organization, the Anti-Defamation League. We are so grateful that both Gary John LaRosa and Jason Sirois are here tonight to have a conversation and illuminate more about this incredible show and anything you care to share with us. So come on up. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason. I'm Gary John. Thank you for being here. So when I spoke with Mara, first of all, on behalf of ADL, Mara, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Um, so how many of you are familiar with ADL? Anti-deaf, great. For those who don't know, it's an over 100-year-old organization. Our mission is to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment for all. Just a tiny little thing to try and accomplish. And one of the things when Mara and I talked, or Mara and I talked about what we, this would be about, it's about acknowledging the reality of what's happening in today's society. Our, uh, my colleagues um, track hate crimes. Um, the FBI reported last year there was a 17% increase in hate crimes, which is three, three times higher than the increase from 2016. 
And in 2017, there was a 60% increase, almost a 60% increase in anti-Semitic incidents. So this is a real issue. And one of the things that I always want to say to anyone who will listen, that's why I love when I get a mic, I'm like, you all have to listen, that's so great, um, is that whenever an incident like the Tree of Life shooting happens, and the fact that I even have to say when an incident like that happens, um, I get a lot of calls from my friends because they know what I do and where I work, and they always say, what can I do? And how do you stop hate? And so ADL uses this um, model called the pyramid of hate, which shows how hate escalates. And one of the things I always want to say to people to really understand is the challenge of fighting hate is that it becomes us versus them, when in fact, hate the escalation of hate, hate starts with the little things we hear and maybe say every day. Like my friend who's like, oh, I dude him down. And when we believe that pyramid, if that goes unchecked, it can escalate then to more specific kinds of behavior. In this case, maybe towards Jewish people. If that person who said I dude him down didn't get checked, or challenge, it can escalate. If that goes, like maybe then that's name calling. I work a lot with students across the country. And Jewish students in particular, their friends will throw pennies on the ground and say, pick it up. And they think it's hysterical. And when that goes unchecked, then you get into discrimination. And when discrimination goes unchecked, we believe that's when you get into the violence. So what I say to people is, what we all need to do is at that bottom. Like when we hear someone say, I jewed him down, like however you want to challenge that, we need to confront that so that it doesn't escalate in our society to those acts of violence. And at the top of that pyramid is genocide. And so I always say we all play a role. It's not these people who are doing the shooting us trying to stop those people. It's us trying to look at ourselves and understand what are our biases? How are we participating in this? Bias is universal, that's one of our basic premises. And it's learned. And because it's learned, we believe it can be challenged. And that's, that's what my job is, and that's why I love what I do. And I have biases, and people have to check me all the time. So that's one of the things that I, I wanted to come here and impart on everybody, is we all have power, because it can feel pretty powerless when a shooting happens. But actually, we can do things. And one of the things, too, is to get to know people. And what I love about this event, so what I didn't say is I used to be an actor. Um, so anytime I get a mic, I'm just like, please, and light. Um, so I was excited to talk about, because I love using art and theater to have these conversations as well. And so when I was talking to Mara, I was like, it would be great to talk to someone about how theater is used. And so I'm really excited to be here with Gary John to have a little conversation to hear from you. And so my first question is, um, why didn't you cast me in Fiddler on the Roof back in <laughs> 2002? It's true, he auditioned for me. I auditioned for him. But we'll talk about that after. Um, so... Um, I brought 16 bars, actually. Just, um, but no, seriously, my first question to you is, so in this idea of challenging bias, what role do you think theater, in your experience, plays in helping to 
um, to do that in our society? Well, I think it's enormous. I think the theater is a welcoming place for people, and it's a way that um, artists can communicate important ideas and educate uh, the audiences. Now, you may say, that, you know, I don't go to a Broadway show to be educated, but ultimately, that's sort of what happens. Uh, I remember as a child, I used to go to the theater as a, a child all the time, and that's when Broadway was affordable. <laughs> and I lived in the area uh, on Long Island, like Mara. So uh, we would go to the theater all the time, and the things that I learned and became familiar with, uh, whether it was, you know, Siam and the King and I, or whether it was Fiddler on the Roof and Anatevka and the, the Russian Revolution, um, any number of shows, Pacific Overtures, you just learn so much, and once you're familiar with it, it empowers you because you don't, when something is familiar, it's, it doesn't feel strange and you're much more likely to embrace it. Um, and in fact, it can go the opposite way. Once you learn about it, you can learn to love it. So, you know, Fiddler on the Roof was my first Broadway show. And this is a show that's come in my life since I was a little boy. And uh, one of the things that, that you gain from sitting in an audience and experiencing live the magic of theater is that it, it takes you in and it embraces you and it educates you and it makes you think. And the stories that you see son, somehow empower you to, to uh, go out in the world and live a better life. And I just want to say I love what you said about um, when you get to know something about someone, it, it's, well, hopefully you can get to love it, love them. Um, and that's one of the other things that we always talk about is we, we make assumptions about people based on their physical appearance. Like if I don't know someone and they walked in here, I, I look at them and I, I think I know them just based on their physical appearance. And so we always encourage people, go below the waterline. Like, well, I just went somewhere you don't even know what I'm talking about. But um, basically get to know somebody. And when you get to know somebody, it's really hard to treat them without respect. Uh, so I love that you said that. So now specifically about Fiddler on the Roof, why do you think Fiddler on the Roof has had such wide appeal? Because it's not just Jewish people who go see Fiddler on the Roof. I mean, my family, I sang it when I was growing up. Right. I, you know, it's a very unique and special show, and the show has been adopted by Jewish culture um, as it should because of the story that's told. But I think um, what's interesting about Fiddler is, uh, as Ilana was saying when she introduced it, you know, the show originally, the producers and, and uh, people involved were very afraid that it would be so... Um, so specific that, that it, it wouldn't uh, um, reach out to a universal audience. But what happened was just the opposite, because Fiddler on the Roof is a show that has a story that basically transcends culture and language. What is the show about? The show is about a family. Everybody can, can uh, uh, relate to children growing up and wanting to be independent and the struggle with providing for their family. Um, this, this story is about... Um, the, the circle of family, which if you open that up becomes the circle of your village, in this case, Anatevka, or if you open that up becomes the circle of your religious culture or your, your um, the country that you live in. But everybody has traditions and everybody has culture. So the funny thing about Fiddler is not only is it, you know, one of the most beautifully written 
musicals ever, but it, it has a story that everyone can relate to. And when Fiddler on the Roof played in Japan, Japanese audiences thought that this was a Japanese show because they related so much to the importance of tradition and the importance of family and the importance of um, maintaining your culture and not losing sight of it. So I think um, this show has lasted for 50, 54 years, Alana, um, and, and counting. And the fact that it's running here in Yiddish is just a testament to that as a powerful message, a powerful story. And yes, it's a powerful Jewish, Jewish message, but, um, but everybody respects it and, and understands it because it's so well presented and, and they can relate to it. Such a great example of how finding similarities, but also recognizing differences. Mm -hmm. and, and differences are okay. One of our other basic premises at ADL is diversity is a strength. We are you know, better because of that. I'll interrupt you and say one, one little historical story is that before the show moved to Broadway, it tried out in, um, in two other cities, and one of the before the song Tradition was written, people were really struggling with what was happening on stage because there were a lot of audience members who didn't understand what the Sabbath entailed and who didn't understand what a matchmaker, you know, uh, uh, really ultimately was, was being hired to do and didn't understand um, the history uh, and the hierarchy within that shtetl culture. But the minute they put that song in, which sort of at the top of the show said, here's the hierarchy, here's the papas, the mamas, the daughters, and the sons, here's the rabbi, here are the other people in the village. It suddenly made it all clear. And once they understood that, then they loved the show because it gave them permission to, to not be questioning what's going on, but they, they understood it. Yeah, not leaving the theater like, uh, who wants to feel stupid? Like, they might, might have thought, I can imagine, I would have left... You know when you agree with things, but you're inside, you're like, I don't even know what was just <laughs> said. So that's good. good thing they wrote that song. Well, it, it certainly helped to clarify things. Yeah. So I'm curious. We were talking when um, we talked last week. Uh, I had asked you if there was any specific story of an anecdote of the, how Fiddler has impacted someone, and you shared. I'm wondering if you want to share. Yeah. Um, I, I thought for a moment, and then I... I thought, me. Um, for those of the, that don't know, uh, and most of you I'm sure don't, but I, as I said, this was the first show I ever uh, saw on Broadway. Well, it turned out that 25 years, which is in a lyric in the show um, that some of you may know in Do You Love Me, but 25 years after I saw that show, I was um, hired as a replacement in the Broadway production with Topol. And as luck would have it, I was thrown into the show, literally. In fact, this is a true story, and I shouldn't take so much time, but the day I auditioned, I was on stage that night. And part of the, it's a very long story, but part of the reason I was hired is because I knew the show so well and had done the original choreography and, and all of that. But, but the really funny, wonderful little anecdote is I ended up being thrown into a dressing room, and they said, um, this is uh, Jerry Jarrett, who's going to be sharing this room with you. Jerry Jarrett was the Tevya on Broadway when I saw my first show. So there was this incredible moment where, talk about tradition and history, I, I brought the playbill in the second night and I said, would you sign this? And it was his face on the cover and he, he, he welled up with tears and, and he wrote, Dear Gary John, after 25 years, it's nice to know you. Thank you. It was, it was a pretty special moment. And um, another special moment was 
was uh, a production I did at Barrington Stage Company where um, Sheldon Harnick came to the show and I had met him. I've met all the creators over time, but um, Sheldon came to the show and uh, it was a very difficult week for me because my, my mother had passed away. I'm, I'm recreating the moment. And I was really, really struggling to get the show up because it's pretty hard to open a show when your family member's deceased. And, and um, so anyway, the show was, was a terrific cast and a wonderful company. And we, we opened the show and Sheldon came. And after the show, I wanted to bring him backstage to see the company, but he, he was nowhere to be found. And what I discovered is he didn't wait for me. He ran backstage and he was holding court behind the curtain. And so when he saw me come after, you know, searching all over in the lobby for him, um, he, he did this to me and then he called me over and he put his arm around me. And uh, this was really one of the greatest compliments I ever got because it's such an important thing for me uh, to maintain the, the integrity of the show, both in the creation of it and, and telling the story accurately and appropriately. He put his arm around me and he said, Jerry would be proud. And that's Jerry Robbins, who uh, was, um, you know, the director choreographer for Fiddler. So anyway, the point is, this show has come in and out of my life. Uh, four years ago, I directed the 50th anniversary um, celebration of the show, which was produced by the National Yiddish Theater. And we had 23 members from the original Broadway run. We had a cast of 90, including Topol and um, we even had Pia Zadora fly in from Las Vegas, who played Bielka in the original run, and that was quite a hoot. Um, but th then, more recently, there's a documentary being filmed about Fiddler, and I was asked to speak specifically about Jerry Robbins' choreography in the show. So, um, so this show, th that's my personal history, probably more time than I should have taken, but it, it's very important to me, and the story is important to me, because... Uh, I believe in the message of the piece, and I believe in telling it accurately so that people are educated, entertained, and feel a reason to embrace the Jewish culture being depicted on stage. And I, I yeah, that deserves applause. And, and really quickly, one of the things we found out when we were talking last week is we're both raised Catholic boys. And I work for a premier Jewish organization, and Gary John is like... One, the, the premier director, choreographer, one of them for Fiddler on the Roof. And so it brings up this, we started talking about the importance of allies. How many of you are not Jewish in this room? If you feel comfortable, okay. And we always say at ADL, it's, it's um, the marginalized community should not hold the burden of protecting themselves. It needs to be allies. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about the importance of allies. And even you, why you as a Catholic boy, why are you so attached to You know, I've done talkbacks at productions that I've done. And in fact, one time somebody said that to me. They're like, you're Italian Catholic. What right do you have to tell the story? And, um, and I think the reason is we don't, we don't need to celebrate or discuss our differences. We need to, to know that there's a good Italian Catholic boy wanting to tell the story accurately and wanting to educate people for the message of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, I think we both believe wholeheartedly in, in 
what we're involved with, and and uh, I take enormous pride in wanting to depict the show the way it was originally created, and to tell that story to help um, help people not let it happen again is what I want to say. So I think that um, I think that thank you that that ultimately um, yes we need to we need to join up. There's power in, in numbers, and if we can all work together, we can make this world a much better place. And, and I, that's my small way of doing it, and I, yours is actually far more, um, I think, important. But uh, I'm just grateful to, to, um, to be asked to do this and, and, and want to do it in the most respectful, positive way. And so then, I just want to end by saying thank you to you for um, helping bring to the stage a story that I know changes people's perspective and opens up their hearts. And I think theater is one of the best ways that we can get people to challenge Absolutely. the biases that we have learned growing up. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you again, Mara. Thanks for the invitation. Enjoy the rest of the night. So... Thank you, Jason, and, uh, and especially the important work that you and the ADL do. Um, you know, in creating the, this little Fiddler segment for Mara, I wanted to end with something special uh, for the Tree of Life congregation in Pittsburgh. And I thought about what, what we should do, and, and then it was like a no-brainer. There's a very special song in this show that I think absolutely um, celebrates what we're here for tonight. Um, and so I bring to the stage, uh, with our hopes and our prayers, I bring to the stage these people to help us celebrate that. Bill Nolte, Eileen Tepper, Danny Harris, Kornfeld, Mark Winsky, Rachel Zatkoff, Stephanie Lynn Mason, and Rosie Jonetti.
Well, that was beautiful. Wow, thank you guys so much. Our next performers are Rebecca Kuznick and Hannah Richter singing secondary characters. All right. characters. Um, our next performer is remarkable. He has become really known for portraying the magnificent role of Leo Frank in Parade, and he's going to sing a song tonight called There Will Be a Miracle. I'm so honored to present Jesse Manicharian to the stage. So... Leo Frank uh, is actually the beginning of the story of the ADL. So that's one connection to this evening. And uh, Gary John's production of Fiddler on the Roof with Topol was the very first Broadway show I ever saw. But neither of those were the things that I was planning on talking about. I was going to give you a gift that I was given about a year ago, and it's the fifth night of Hanukkah. 
And um, a friend of mine from college is a life coach, empowerment coach. And uh, I know, right? And uh, <laughs> she sends these emails, and they're actually truly beautiful. I'll give you her email after the show. But um, last year, she sent an email right around this time of year. And it said two things. Grant yourself grace. Ask for miracles. There will be a miracle. Stick around and see. You need patience for a miracle. Timing is the key. Could not have happened yesterday. And tomorrow is too late. The moment has to be exact. And until then, we have to wait. You can never rush a miracle. You can't force a thing to be. I am desperate for a miracle. But it won't come just for me. We will all share the miracle as everybody should. Little ones, grocery clerks, CPAs, movie stars, battered wives, dying boys, hungry souls, the worst of men along with the God. I always knew there would be a miracle, wondered when and how. And I will see a miracle. tears. Forgive me. That was so beautiful. Uh, it is no secret the incredible contribution that Jewish composers have brought to the world of Broadway, uh, in particular Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz. And tonight I have the great pleasure of introducing Jody Bluestein, Samantha Joy Perlman, and Jillian Gottlieb. And let me just say it is Jody Bluestein who invited me to be here tonight. Um, so thank you. It's such an honor, and I've loved you since you were a little girl, and now I get to hear you sing. Um, they're going to sing the Power Princess medley, and I think we're all going to enjoy it. This song is like 29 pages, so I need this. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not high maintenance. I just need it. Thank you. I'm as mild and as meek as a mouse when I hear a command I obey. But I know of a spot in my house where no one can stand in my way. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Well, I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. Hey, you want thingamabobs? <laughs> cool. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. I've been staring at the edge of the water as long as I can remember, never really knowing why. I wish I could be the perfect daughter, but I come back to the water no matter how hard I try do you want to build a snowman it doesn't have to be a snowman okay bye I know you I walked with you once upon a dream but if I know you I roamed these empty halls. Oh, 
Can we give a hand to Daniel? You have been, you have been extraordinary all evening. Nine-year-old me is in so much heaven right now. That was incredible. The idea that human beings can make those sounds and share them with us never ceases to amaze me. Um, thank you, beautiful women. Our next singer also never fails to blow my mind. Uh, I am really thrilled to welcome Gabrielle Savitt to the stage. He is an actor, a singer, and a writer whose work has appeared on the New York Times bestseller list, no small thing. And he was in City Center Zorba, and tonight he is going to commemorate the Tree of Life victims in prayer. So welcome, Gabrielle, and uh, he's going to sing El Malay Rahamin for us. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Nobody ever asks me to be part of the Princess Power Trio. I'm still hurting about it. Um, I hope you're all having a good time tonight. I certainly am. When uh, Mara asked me to come and contribute this evening, I immediately knew I wanted to reach back into the tradition um, for some expression of the difficulty of what happened to uh, all of us in the Jewish community only a few weeks ago. And we settled on um, a really beautiful prayer called Al Malay Rahamim, which uh, is gorgeous. It, it speaks of God as the master of mercy. It um, speaks of each of the victims individually. It names each of them. Um, and it asks God to find proper rest for them beneath the wings of his presence, which I think is gorgeous. Traditionally, uh, during this prayer, uh, the assembled people stand. So if you're willing and comfortable and able, I would like to invite you to stand with me um, in memorializing the fallen. <clears throat> Say, 
השכינה. במעלוס קדושים told us that the night before the shooting happened, she was on the stage singing America. And the night before it happened, I was listening to Anne Frank's stepsister uh, give a talk about her story and her Holocaust story. And, and so to be in the presence of this most um, effervescent, positive human being who had survived and shared her Holocaust story and came out the other side with such an extraordinary desire to live life fully, and then to find out the next day that a Holocaust survivor had perished in the shooting at the synagogue was really hard for my mind to kind of wrap around. And that prayer, Gabrielle, was so beautiful, and it's the first time I felt like someone put into a sound what it's been feeling like to go through this. So on behalf of all of us, I want to thank you for that absolutely um, heartbreaking, beautiful 
prayer in a language that makes it all feel somehow um, ritualistically grounding in some way. Um, we're really blessed tonight because there's a really beautiful young woman who is a native of Pittsburgh and whose family has been members of the Tree of Life Synagogue, whose father and mother have been really involved in all sorts of ways in the shul and also in the community post this tragedy. And uh, Samantha Harris, who is one of the loveliest people I've had the great fortune of meeting tonight, is going to bring a message from her synagogue and community and share it with us. So please come to the stage, Samantha. Thank you, Alana. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. I'm not as tall as the mic, so I'll hold it. <laughs> um, as Alana said, my name is Samantha Harris. Tree of Life has been the source of my Jewish identity, even though I now live in New York. I was bat mitzvahed at Tree of Life. My family is active in the synagogue. My father is the secretary of Tree of Life and head of the Interfaith Committee, the immediate past president of the men's club, and they keep asking him to be president. <laughs> Uh, my mother is a member of the Sisterhood and of the Ritual Committee. I happened to be in Pittsburgh visiting when the tragedy happened. My mom and I were backing out of the driveway to visit little cousins in the suburbs when we got frantic calls and texts because my parents regularly attend services. It's heartwarming to see so many people help their community and our congregation. Um, it really does mean a lot. And let me tell you, it's really needed right now, so thank you. Um, I'd like to tell you just a few stories about some of the people that we lost on October 27th. Cecil and David Rosenthal were born with Fragile X Syndrome. They brought so much light to the tree of life. Attached at the hip, but with vastly different personalities, they brought a big smile to everyone's face, especially mine. My dad is also the head usher at shul, so he rarely is able to sit with my mom and me at services. Cecil sat with us so he didn't get lonely. He always asked how our cat Crumble was doing. He'd say, how is Curly the cat? <laughs> He'd always end every interaction with, I'm praying for you. When I would arrive at the tree after my parents, whether I was coming separately or parking the car, Cecil and David would meet me at the entrance and Cecil would say, Sammy, you better watch out for your dad or Irwin's misbehaving. He's being a very bad boy. <laughs> no, of course he wasn't misbehaving, but it was the greeting that, that made things a little lighter at shul. And this little game just made things more fun. Cecil was the first victim that my family and I heard about, and you can only imagine how our household reacted. Even Crumble, Cecil's curly, somehow seemed to know and understand. I've known Rose Malinger since I was very young. I grew up with her grandchildren and became especially close with her granddaughter at sleepaway camp. She was the second victim I knew of as I was texting her grandchildren, as I was texting all of my childhood friends whose families may have been at Tree of Life, and I was devastated. Her aunt was also injured, but she's out of the hospital and doing very well. Uh, Rose and her sister Sylvia would always clap for me when I finished a prayer when I was preparing for my bat mitzvah. Um, I felt like a superstar, and for those of you who don't know, clapping is not normally permitted in services. Um, but they did anyway, and I was just a middle school theater kid that was thrilled that these two ladies were clapping for me in the back. Um, <laughs> nobody minded that they were clapping. Um, their support was so meaningful, and I was able to carry it all the way through to my bat mitzvah day. Seeing their smiling faces clapping for me in the pews, it gave me great confidence, and it just warmed my heart. 
I could tell a hundred stories about all of the victims from that day, but these are just a few of my favorites. I've been so touched, just as all of us at Tree of Life had, and Dor Hadash and New Light, as we all share a building, by the outpouring of support. We're so grateful to Mara, Alana, Green Moon 42, and the amazing performers tonight. And of course, all of you, thank you guys for your support. I was really heartwarmed to see when everyone raised their hands that wasn't Jewish. I really wasn't expecting that, so it means a lot. Thank you for your support. This evening, as we celebrate the fifth night of Hanukkah by lighting the candle in unity with the other congregations who have lost loved ones, we will look to the future together, knowing that it knowing that it will reflect the light that fills the darkness. Sunday night, a giant menorah was lit at the corner of Wilkins and Shady outside our building. The rabbi and congregants won't let the light go out. Remember that words matter. Call out anti-Semitism when you see it. Whether outright or in seemingly harmless microaggressions, especially right now, nothing can be tolerated. I'm holding my own benefit concert and silent auction in Pittsburgh on Thursday, December 27th, entitled Roots of Steel. You can find out more information, buy tickets, and make a donation at rootsofsteel.org. On behalf of the entire Tree of Life or La Simcha congregation, thank you so much. We'll leave it up here for when Tommy Toon arrives, but for now... Um, this is a treat. I get to welcome Colin O'Connor, Mark Winsky, and Mara Jill Herman, an acoustic trio, to the stage. I figured I would tell a quick little story about the song we're about to do. So It's a great story. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to sing with Cantor Paul Zim, who I invited to be here tonight, but unfortunately he was not available. So uh, he would cut all these albums, and I was one of his singing dreidelettes. And uh, one of my that first... image. Yes, I love it, I love it. Uh, and one of my first solos that he ever gave me was this beautiful song, Light One Candle, and uh, years later, I discovered that it was a Peter Yarrow song, and that was, of course, from the famous trio Peter, Paul, and Mary. So we're here tonight to recreate the Peter, Paul, and Mary version. Dreidelette. <laughs> hybrid. Costumes um, at home. Of Light One Candle. And I'm so glad that I get to share the stage with Mark and Colin. So thanks again, and take it away. Let's do it. Light one candle for the Maccabee children With thanks their light didn't die Light one candle for the pain they endured When their right to exist was denied Light one candle for the terrible sacrifice Justice and freedom demand Light one candle for the wisdom to know When the peacemaker's time is at hand Don't let the light go lasted for so many years don't let the light go out let it shine through our love and our tears don't let the light go out it's lasted for so many years don't let the light go out let it shine through our love and our tears One candle for the strength that we need 
to never become our own foe and light one candle for those who are suffering the pain that we learned so long ago light one candle for all we believe in let anger not tear us apart light one candle to bind us together with peace and a song in our hearts don't let the light go out it's lasted for so many years don't let the light go out let it shine through our love and our tears don't let the light go out it's lasted for so many years don't let the light go out let it shine through our love and our tears what is the memory that's valued so highly that we keep alive in that flame what's the commitment to those who have died when they've cried out we've not died in vain we've come this far always believing that justice will somehow prevail this, this is, is the, the burden, burden and this is the promise and this, this is why we will not fail don't let the light go out it's lasted for so many years don't let the light go out shine through our love and our tears don't let the light don't let the light go out it's lasted for so many years don't let the light go don't out let the light go out let it shine through our love and our tears don't let the light go out it's lasted for so many years join everybody don't let the light go out let it shine through our love and our tears don't let the light go out don't let the light go out don't let the light go out can we just one more round of applause for this rock star right here I think all of us know what it is to put on a benefit or raise money or try to get people to come. And this room is filled with the most beautiful hearts. And you brought us here, so thank you. And thank you to all of you. Um, we're gonna end the night. We're very lucky. It's an embarrassment of riches this evening because the performer coming up now has written a song that in 1991, won the Grammy Award for Song of the Year. And when she sings it, you're going to be like, oh my God, she wrote that song. I know that song, like the back of my hand. Um, this song has received close to 5 million airplays. It's been recited into the congressional record, recorded internationally, translated into one zillion languages. It's been illustrated as a children's book. And I think, Mara, you're right, that this is really a perfect and beautiful way to end this evening um, with a hope of and a prayer for kindness and gentleness and uh, a more unified universe. And so it's my honor to welcome to the stage Julie Gold and the song, little known fact, From a Distance. What a great honor. Thank you for having me. Mary, you threw together a nice show. 
You said so much in the intro. I have very little to say, except that it is a great honor to be here. This song was written before my, I wrote it before my 30th birthday, and I'm 62 now, so it's more than half my life that it has been my ambassador to people and places and things and occasions that I could never have imagined. The first artist to record this song had a hit with it in Ireland when I was a secretary at HBO. And she would call me from Belfast, and she would say, Julie, she had a southern accent, Protestants and Catholics were embracing and crying in the aisles. And then I'd go back to typing my boss's financial reports. That was a long time ago, and I'm a pacifist. And it was the most requested song on Saudi band radio during the Persian Gulf War, the first Persian Gulf War. My hope, my hope of hopes, is that we live to see a day where we can only celebrate love and life and what we have in common and learn from each other's differences and celebrate our diversities instead of fearing them and being set apart from one another. So thank you for allowing me this privilege of closing the show. And if you do want to sing it, please help me because I, I'm best when heard and seen from a distance. And the very last thing I want to say is that I'm from Philadelphia, but well, all my life in New York since 1978, people have asked me what it's like to grow up in Pittsburgh. And that's because they both begin with a P. So besides the fact that it's my fellow Jews,
even though we are at war from a distance luckiest people in the world tonight. Thank you for that. Thank you, everyone, for coming and contributing. Get home safely. Thank you. Tip your servers well. They work hard. And thank you, Green Room 42. What a beautiful, beautiful night. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know there are over 120 episodes of Little Known Facts with Alana Levine at this point? So if you love this one, but you're a new listener, go back to the beginning and catch up. I promise you every episode will shed a light on an artist that inspires you in a whole new way. It is such a pleasure to make this podcast for you, and I hope if you love listening as much as I love making it, that you'll head over to my website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. There's a donation page, and truly, any donation, large or small, makes such a huge impact on my being able to make over 100 more episodes for you guys, so I really, really appreciate it. I record this podcast at the Hangar Studios in New York City. If you ever are interested in making your own podcast or any kind of recording, go to thehangerstudios.com and get more information on how they make the magic happen. Thanks for listening.